Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our Housing Matters Podcast. This is our sixth episode, and my name is Oscar Way. I'm Senior Economist at the California Association of Realtors. And with me today, I have Jordan, Jordan Levine. Hey, everyone. Hi, Jordan. Uh, we have talked a lot about the housing market lately, and one thing that we touch upon, and it's an issue that we have been coming across, is tight supply. And I know we have talked uh, about this issue for many, many times, but I want to hone into it a little bit more today on maybe at the regional level mm-hmm. and maybe touch upon some of the reasons why we have tight supply conditions. Specifically, I want to talk uh, about construction activity. But before we go into that, let me just give throw out a few numbers uh, of the current housing market conditions. Please. Sure. Um, so the latest number that we have is May 2016 numbers. And at the state level, we actually saw a decline in uh, inventory, unsold inventory index drop from 3.5 of last year to 3.4 months. And of course, it looks like a small drop, but at different regions, we see different drops. Now, um, you would think, uh, when we go down to regional level, you would think, well, the market that has the tightest condition probably is the Bay Area. Uh, but a little contrary to what we uh, believe, in the San Francisco Bay Area, for the month of May, we actually saw uh, increase in many of the counties. Mm. In Alameda, for example, it uh, increased from 1.9 months to 2.2 months. And for uh, Contra Costa, it actually went up from 1.2 to 2.4. And if we look at just active listings, number of active listings being put up on the market, we actually saw that for the Bay Area, it actually increased 8.8%. Wow. The other two uh, big regions, Southern California and Central Valley, Southern California actually dropped 3% uh, percent from last year, and Central Valley dropped 12.2%. Oh, wow. And I think part of the reason that we've talked about before is maybe this one is this month or this last couple months, maybe just an anomaly Mm -hmm. that maybe sales drop. And that's why we have a lot more active listings in Southern and the Bay Area. And we know that Southern California and Central Valley continue to be quite hot. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the Bay Area's had some pretty strong price growth, too. Right. That might be also factoring into a seller's motivation, potentially to get those homes on the market and potentially list them for sale just because it's uh we've seen some pretty robust price growth particularly in the bay area that uh, those you know potential sellers maybe stand to make some some pretty decent gains at this point in the cycle right exactly exactly i think they might be thinking that this is a good time to put their house up on the market mm. but in general i think in the bay area even though uh the active listings increase i mentioned the uh, alameda contra costa the level of inventory continue to stay at a very low level. If you look at the level, it's only about two months, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. If you compare that to Central Valley and to Southern California, uh, it's a lot higher, maybe 3.6, 3.7, or, 3, or maybe even 4. So in general, I think the level is, uh, much, higher, uh, is much higher for Southern California and Central Valley. So the market's getting, or I guess we're getting more... 
um, inventory on the market in the Bay Area, but still very low and a long way to go, even though we've seen some modest improvements, I guess. Exactly, and I think it has something to do with affordability, too. And if we break it down by uh, price range, uh -huh. we can look at price range. The high end seem to have more inventory. I think uh, in May, the high end for 750000 to a million, uh, it increased by 9.3%. And for the million plus, I think it increased by 17 or 18 percent. Wow. But for the low end, we continue to see some significant drop. Um, 20, 30 percent drop below 300,000, right? That's, uh, that's not very encouraging for first-time homebuyers. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a critical number because I think, you know, A, on the one hand, we pointed out, I think that inventory has gone up a bit, but still at a very low level. Um, but I think, it, you know, what you said hits on something that's even more important, which is, you know, even that new inventory that we're seeing coming online um, isn't catering to the kind of lower end of the market. So, you know, people who don't already own homes really aren't benefiting from this uptick in inventory. It's really um, amongst that kind of higher end housing. Yeah, that's that's sad. Um, and, you know, in the short run, we don't know whether things in the short run, it doesn't look like things are going to change, um, at least in uh, the lower price segment. Um, in the long run, maybe we will have a little bit of change uh, in the long run. But with something that I want to sp uh, discuss specifically in this uh, podcast is there are different reasons for uh, inventory shortage. There might be demographic changes. It might be because of uh, people of uh, being afraid to move because of affordability reason. They want to. They don't want to pay capital gain tax. That's one reason. But the, there's one specific reason that we want to talk about uh, inventory. That is uh, construction activity. I know you have done some construction uh, studies on construction activities, and maybe you can share some information with us on why we have weak construction activities, or are we get are we having weak construction activities overall? Yeah, so construction's a bit of a mixed bag, but I'm glad that we're keying in on this this week because I think that it's um, one of the more kind of fundamental structural things that have persisted in California in both good and bad economies, and that's the fact that we're just pretty um, underbuilt from a long-term perspective. I mean, if you look at current activity in construction, mm -hmm. things are moving in the right direction. We've had a couple of years of pretty good growth. Good, good. Through the first five months or so of this year, we're tracking up about 3.7% over where we were um, through May of 2015. And, you know, if we continue this pace, we should get right back to that uh, 100,000 new units permitted this year, which will be the first time since the housing bubble that that's happened. So uh, wow. continue to see things really moving in the right direction and, and having an uptick in new construction activity. Um, the thing that's, you know, really encouraging for me from you know not just a realtor standpoint but just from a general kind of economic activity standpoint is that we started to see that the shape of that construction change a uh -huh. little bit um you know historically if you go back and look at how many homes were built in the single family versus um, you know multi-family condo or apartment um, it usually ran somewhere in the kind of 65 to 75% range was always single family, right? That was always the lion's share of the types of housing units that we built. Um, in the wake of the, the recession, what we saw was that the, you know, both because the rental market was so hot and because we had a lot of folks who maybe foreclosed or had um, credit issues with bankruptcy and things like that during the downturn was that uh, multifamily actually jumped up to over half. In fact, it got up to almost 60, 40, wow. um, the opposite direction. So we were just building a lot more multifamily units 
performance. Um, and over the course of the last couple of years, we've started to see that change. So last year, 2015, was the first time that we saw more growth on the single family side uh, than we saw on the multifamily side. So last year, single family permitting was up about 18%. Great. compared to about 9% or so uh, on the multifamily side. And that's the first time you've seen multifamily outpace, and it looks, or single family outpace rather, and that's something that you're seeing again this year where um, single family's up another 13% or so almost this year, and multifamily's actually down in 2016 really? uh, by about 3.2%. So I think you know we're continuing to see um, single families start to get more into the building mix. Wow. Well, before we get into, I know we have we may have some regional numbers to look at as well. But let me ask you this: You said we're moving towards that hundred thousand projected mark, and for the first time in the last few years. Now, do you think hundred thousand is hundred thousand units is good enough? You know, we're at this point. I'll take what we can get. Right, <laughs> every little bit I think helps in this kind of constrained market that we find ourselves in. Um, but I think it's a you know your point is well taken that when you kind of go back not just over the course of the last couple of years, but really for the past couple of decades, uh, we've just been chronically underbuilding. And uh. yes, there's cyclical issues, but. Um, you know, we just have a big gap to make up. So 100,000 units is great. It's more than we've seen uh, in a while. But I think, you know, one stat that kind of jumped out at me as I was looking at construction and our, you know, deficit of housing really is just, you know, going back to 1990, I went and looked and California's added about 9.2 million new people. Um, ah. You know, we've gone from about 29-ish million up to about 38, 39 million or so since 1990. Um and yet we've only permitted about 2.8 million new units. So that's a huge wow. deficit, right? 9.2 million people, 2.8 million new residential permits. And the other thing those numbers don't tell you is that some of those 2.8 million permits, those are replacement needs, right? Some of those right. are teardowns and reconstruction. Right. So it's not even the case that we've actually expanded the housing stock by 2.8 million. It's somewhere south of that. So you can see the difference between 9.2 million and, and 2.8 million or below is, is pretty substantial. And so. 100,000 units is great, but we need to keep that pace up for a pretty long time to start chipping away at this kind of um, backlog that we have of underbuilding. Definitely, and maybe even higher pace or, or faster pace. Yeah, I mean, just for perspective, if you go back to you know the 2005-06 timeframe, we were permitting somewhere in the kind of 200, 250,000 um, right. units, and that was really the only period in history where we've actually done a decent job of keeping up with the amount of new population each year. Got it, got it. So. And I, I'm sure, uh, you know, we are looking at a state number, but when we hone into more regional numbers, there have been some variation as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it somewhat matches the trends, I think, that we see uh, when we look at price and sales and inventory statistics in the sense that uh, a lot of this uptick, at least so far this year, has been driven, you know, by the Bay Area, which is up, I think, over 12% uh -huh. or so. Um, through the first five months of the year, actually 13.7% in the Bay Area. Um, and that's really largely concentrated in the core. So this is, you know, the area of the state that we're most inventory constrained, uh, where we've seen, you know, some of the largest amounts of price growth. And it looks like that at least has started to incentivize builders to get back into the market and help to uh, alleviate some of that tightness. Um, 
And, and, you know, I think that's a, a really positive sign with San Francisco, Alameda, and San Mateo, which are really where, you know, a, a big chunk of the new job creation is happening, mm-hmm. is also where we're starting to see that residential development come around. Um, still pretty multifamily-centric, Got which it. I think is uh-huh. interesting, just densely populated kind of core urban areas. But if you go out to some of the surrounding areas, Solano, um, Napa, Santa Clara, we're actually seeing growth in single-family permitting out in those markets. So I think you know, that kind of backs up that affordability story that we've been talking about over the course of the last couple episodes where people are going a little bit farther afield right. maybe so that they can have that single family home and the folks who are staying in those dense cores maybe opting for that multifamily unit got it and and of course you mentioned about the job growth in the core areas san francisco san mateo santa clara of course that drives up uh multi-family multi-family as well as a single family home build so Job growth does have a significant impact on um, increase in housing construction activities. What about Southern California? I know uh, we currently have some increase in uh, labor, increase in activities in the labor market in Riverside, San Bernardino as well. Are we seeing uh, increase in uh, construction activity? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the growth throughout the rest of the state outside of the Bay Area has been more tepid than what we see in you know San Francisco and Alameda and San Mateo, no doubt, but we're growing nonetheless. And when you zoom into Southern California specifically, you see that most of that growth was concentrated uh, this year, at least, in two primary areas. The first one is Orange County, where we're seeing a lot of new multifamily uh-huh. uh, condo units going in. Um, and then the other area is in Riverside County. And I think that's both where the job market is growing faster. Uh-huh. It's also got the relative affordability going for it, right? It's much more affordable to um, buy a house across the county line in Riverside County than it is to live in Orange County or places um, along the border in, in LA County even. And so I think that's helped to to pump up demand in those areas. It's also catapulted their, their prices forward a bit as well. And so I think that is a, a nice kind of cocktail of, of factors that are um, bringing builders back into the market in those areas. And, you know, you look at a place like Riverside, and again, you see a lot more construction activity concentrated on the single family side, uh-huh. which again goes to that affordability story where people are going out there to get that bigger home uh, and maximize that quality of life without spending kind of, uh, you know, those premiums that you'd pay to live along the coast. Got it. And uh, you, you can probably say that for, for Orange County, then, that we're seeing um, a bigger share of multifamily as compared to Riverside San Bernardino because of the affordability issue, right? Yep, affordability I think is a big part of it um, and in fact almost all of the growth in Orange County has really been concentrated in in the multifamily so far this year. Got it. And of course we have uh, encounter issues with um, even though it has been growing, we talked about individual area at the state level and we have been growing in terms of uh, construction activities there are issues. There are a lot of issues with uh, why, even though we continue to build more, but the pace has not been uh, fast enough. There are uh, many different issues. I know uh, we've talked about it before, and one of it, of course, could be um, land issues, land use issues, um, permit issues, the time it takes to uh, build the time it takes to uh, to uh, go through all the process of uh, submitting permits and getting environmental those, reviews and right all that. Uh, and zone restrictions of course those are some of the issues but some of the latest issues that we have touched upon mm-hmm. is um, labor shortage um, I want to 
bring up a study that was uh, recently released by the National Association of House Home Builders. And of course, the numbers that I'm going to uh, discuss will be at a national level. But nevertheless, it's a good some of the good numbers to take a look at. And a lot of those factors are at play here in California, right? Exactly, exactly. And of course, in California, I mean, there have been talks about minimum wage and things like that. But you know, we we are not even going to go into that level. But just taking a look at the labor shortage, uh, just to briefly talk about some of the results based on that uh, the recent survey that they sent out. Back in 2012, uh, about only about 20% of the builders said that they have serious short, some or serious shortage of uh, labor shortage. Uh, that was tw- and that was 21% back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Moving forward to 2014, it jumped to 46%, and last year it jumped to 52, and this wow. year it jumped to 56. So it's more than double. Um, so labor market is definitely an issue and and it's of course when we talk about construction labor shortage we are uh, we are talking about more than just one type of uh, skill set mm-hmm. but carpentry uh, actually is ranked the, the top group of labor shortage with about 72 percent of the uh, builders saying that they are short of carpentry people who can build houses. I mean, of course in California not like in uh, Hong Kong or some of the other uh, major cities, most of the homes are built with wood. Right. So, of course, we need a lot of carpenters. That's a significant number. 71% seems very, very large. It's very, very high. And, of course, when we have that kind of shortage, and it's not, let me clarify, it's not just labor shortage, but it's also, it's not just uh, hiring one or two people, we are we are also talking about uh, subcontractors. Mm-hmm. Subcontractors make a big difference in a home builders uh, community, and we have a, a significant shortage in subcontractors. And of course, when you have labor shortage, what's gonna what is going to happen with um, the uh, home building uh, activities? You don't have enough people. Either you increase. Uh, your wage mm-hmm. to attract people to uh, work for for you and in fact that's one of the highest uh, based on the survey results that's one of the uh, top effect that would affect the uh, that the labor shortage would have on the housing industry pushing up those wages exactly and what else it will of course builders when they raise wage they have to they have to make a profit too so the develop developers will have to raise home prices as well so that uh, would help would uh, I've heard the uh, affordability. Interesting. So this labor shortage is actually a sneaky way of of pumping up home prices and actually uh, potentially eroding affordability even further. Exactly. And of course, um, we want to talk maybe a little bit about why we have such a labor shortage. Um, No, we were not building, we haven't been building as many uh, homes as before. But why do you think we have uh, such labor shortage? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a a bunch of cyclical effects baked in here. Um, We had, you know, construction was one of the hardest hit sectors during the downturn, obviously. Um, And it was, you know, one of the the slower sectors to recover. We still haven't gotten back to those um, levels of permitting that we had. Mm -hmm. In fact, we're a little bit under half 
of what we were doing back at the height of the last bubble. And so um, just from a sheer demand for that labor, there hasn't been as much. Um, but I think, you know, the prolonged effect of having so many unemployed construction workers for so long is that I think a lot of the folks who, you know, maybe were in that industry retooled, moved to different industries because they, you know, at the end of the day needed to pay the bills and they right. couldn't wait around for the construction sector to rebound. Um, and so a lot of those folks maybe made permanent changes to other industries. Um, you know, I think even though we're seeing this kind of robust growth in permits, and, and it has contributed to pretty significant growth in construction jobs. In fact, uh, you know, I think we've added almost 40,000 jobs just over the last year in California uh, were construction jobs. So it's, you know, it's about one out of every 10 jobs in the state has been in construction over the course of last year. But even with that growth, right. we're still below that pre-recession peak by about 180,000 jobs, right? And so right. what I think happened is, and I think this is probably analogous to what we're seeing throughout the rest of the nation, is that you know a lot of those folks did make that permanent change. And so now the sector is rebounding but we don't have that same kind of pool of workers to draw from as a lot of those folks are off doing different things today. I, I agree with you. I think if the the cyclical downturn was only one year, two years, then maybe the uh, transition, the change will not be um, that devastated in the construction industry. But it has been seven years or eight years. And that takes its toll. Yes. And of course, this is uh, we don't have a short-term solution for the construction activity now. Uh, for increasing construction activities. Hopefully, you know, working with the government and working with or people uh, realizing that we have to build more will help, you know, to uh, expedite the process of permitting and expedite the process or alleviate the problem of uh, restrictions and zoning. But until then, there's really no other um, solution. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm of the opinion that we really need a kind of all of the above strategy. Whatever we can do to get more units online, um, it's not just a function of creating construction jobs for those unemployed construction workers um, or creating economic activity through construction. This is really um, a question of can we continue to grow home ownership and, you know, keep affordability uh, from getting beyond the reach of, of more Californians. And so it's, it's something that really impacts, you know, our economy, our quality of life and what makes people want to come here and so you know whatever we can do to get those units up we should do it right well until we figure out a solution i guess we just have to hope for the best fingers crossed all right well um as such let's wrap this up and i just before we uh, move on i just want to say um this is the fourth uh, the independence day weekend i just want to say happy the four happy fourth and i uh, hope everyone has a uh, good weekend long good long weekend thanks everyone Thank you.